Guys, come on. Mitch got wailed on. I think he's dead. Of course not. Dead. What are you, ghouls? There are no dead students here. This week. All right, welcome everyone to fucking Does Buffy Suck the Best Buffy podcast that I've heard in the last three or four days. Me yeah. <laughs> too. Hey, low bar to pass. <laughs> yeah. I did. It is like every once in a while I'm tempted. I'm like, oh, maybe I should listen to this Buffy podcast or that Buffy podcast with X or Y celebrity. But then I'm nope. like, yeah, fuck it. My favorite Buffy podcast is the one with all my friends. So let's just listen to this one. Thank you, dear viewers, for slogging through this bullshit with us. It's not bullshit. This is the best I don't know if you heard, but this is the best Buffy podcast that Keith's heard in three or four days. Oh, wow. Sorry. Let's keep it that way with our high quality gags and jokes. (laughs) 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 So so this episode is uh, we're coming up to the end of season one. We're wrapping it up. This is I thought it was called Out of Sight, Out of Mind. But in some kind of misguided attempt at cleverness, it's called Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Yeah, it sucks. I guess, well, maybe it's because Marcy's crazy. Is that why? Out of Mind? And also she's invisible. If it was the other way around, it would still be Out of Mind. Yeah. But it would just be second. It's because she was out of everyone's mind before she was out of their sight. Oh. Oh, it actually does work really well. Yeah, that's why they changed it. She is out of sight because she was out of everyone's mind. Yes, and it's the opposite of out of sight, out of mind, because when you can't see it, you forget it. But the whole episode is, haha, we're the opposite. You hear that, listeners? This is the smartest thing that I've said on this podcast. Let me... Have a minute. No. <laughs> so the this was originally aired May 19th, 1997. Uh, we only have one new top thing. It's a new top album. And this one, I, I was trying to think what even hint could I give? I literally am just going to tell you the name of this album, and I guarantee you still won't know who put it out, because what the fuck is this shit? The album is called Carrying Your Love With Me. Oh, uh, I'm going to be real upset when I hear this. No, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I know who it is. No, you don't. Prepare to get slammed, Julian, because it's George Strait. Oh, I don't. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at that, and I'm like, man, May the week of May 19th, 1997 was a dark time in America. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so straight off the bat, you know, we've got our list of uh, best, not best things, only the worst things characters have said within the first minute. We've got Cordelia's first entrance onto the list with uh, she's hanging out with her boyfriend of the week and he's got some, you know, she's talking about her prom dress and he's like, is it going to be blue like your eyes, baby? And she's like, my eyes are hazel, Helen Keller. Yeah, right off the bat. (laughs) Yeah, right off the bat. (laughs) Classic. Still not as bad as, you know, everyone else's weird uh, Middle East and Nazi references and stuff. But still, it's a little it's a little weird, a little 90s right there. It's off color, but it's the best of the worst so far. Is the girl who plays Cordelia like 200 years old? Like she doesn't look remotely like she should be in high school. Charisma Carpenter. She looks like she's 30. I don't remember her exact age at this point, but in my mind, I'm thinking she's like 27 or 28 or something. She might not be that old, but she's definitely older. She's playing a 15-year-old. <laughs> I know, though, Allison Hannigan was a bit older, too, but she doesn't come off older. She's, mm. She totally pulls it off, but yeah. Cordelia is definitely up there. She would have been 27 when oh, wow. Buffy aired. Oof. And also uh, shares a birthday with me. Wow. So, you know, that's fun. Not bad. So she's like 50 now. She turned 50 this year. She is 50. Did I do the math right? You did. Wow. 
I wish, oh man, this is one of the few times I wish that people could see our faces because the like joy Mike had on his face, it was like legit. He was so proud of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Should we enter too briefly into the creep zone? I feel like this is a weird thing that I'm going to bring up, but I drank a lot of coffee, so fuck it. Are we not already there? Yeah, all right. (laughs) But it's just, uh, you know, Cordelia is obviously also the mega babe of the the show and was on some kind of, I don't remember what it was, like a Baywatch bikini show before this. It was always like, man, Cordelia is so hot. And then later on, she, I think she posed in like Playboy. Yeah. But at some point, the floodgates opened and she's just topless in everything now. Like all, all, all kinds of things all over the place. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, I bet they're really nice for a 50 year old. Yeah, she's still extremely hot. Yeah, no, no question there. Uh, man, and one thing too, at least, you know, Charisma Carpenter's career, it's not like rocket ship straight to the moon, but she's fine. She's doing okay. She's in stuff. The one that kind of made me sad is her friend Harmony, you know, the blonde girl that's with her sometimes, who becomes a bigger character in Buffy. Her career went nowhere. She was in nothing. And pretty much the first thing she was in after Buffy was some really low-budget garbage horror movie where she got her got her bobos out. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is just the saddest. Like, you could only get this terrible job because you agreed to be topless, and it just went nowhere. And it is like, I mean, that's kind of a thing with a lot of the Buffy people. They're great at who they are in Buffy. And then that's the end of the road. (laughs) That career is over. Gotta get our bobos out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How does everybody like the Invisible Girl? Um, (laughs) It was very, it felt so much like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? so much like as things were unfolding I was like I feel like I've seen this exact episode where all of a sudden this person was sad and they became invisible so it was like super campy that way I didn't hate it it was fine but it felt like the first couple episodes to me yeah like as far as like the monster of the week yeah it's well it's for sure one of those I think it's like probably one of the better ones for me. It's definitely no like teacher's pet. It's no uh, teacher's pet from David Greenwalt, but it is, it was like a good one of those. And I think it's probably the last one of these, like these kind of like, are you afraid of the dark feeling episodes that we're ever going to see? So <laughs> okay, fucking enjoy it. I got irrationally upset at sort of the resolution of this episode. We can talk about more about that later, but... Oh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool, but yeah, we'll have a drag-down <laughs> debate. It's also an episode that's used as a setup for the finale, just from, like, two yeah. off-scenes of, like, oh, yeah. hey, I can get this book. Oh, here's this book. It's a codex. Sorry, not a book. But, yeah, I don't particularly like this episode. I don't think it... It didn't do anything for me. It was just kind of... It had its moments, but it was mostly just there. Are you sure? I saw you jerking it under a blanket. Didn't do anything for you, huh? That's because I saw Cordelia's 27-year-old Bobos. Bobos. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those episodes that I always remembered this episode because, you know, the Invisible Girl. And it's always kind of my go-to. When I think of examples of how I kind of, I really do like stories that are metaphors and how they don't need to be clever. It's okay for me if something is a super direct metaphor. And this one always jumps to mind of like, Oh, yeah, like that Buffy episode where the girl was so invisible in school that she actually turned invisible. And obviously it's because the Hellmouth is making things manifest and making tender teenage emotions become real. So that's how they explain it. I'm like, good enough. So I always remembered it on that level that like I love I just love metaphor high school shit. 
But as an actual episode, it's like, yeah, well, whatever. It's not like it's amazing or anything. It's just... I actually was like looking up on Wikipedia or something, I think, this episode. And there's a some line in there that's like, this is the first episode of Buffy that is not paranormal, but is actually based in science. Or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of science is that? Yeah. <laughs> she was so sad that she turned invisible. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, uh, I was thinking of Rayanne when I... Uh, I was looking up something about uh, the Sid the Puppet, Puppet Show episode, and I was looking on the wiki, and on the wiki, they mention, like, this Sid the Puppet episode is the whatever fourth, fifth, sixth episode of the show that does not in any way involve vampires. Like, they're keeping track of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the Rayanne clause right there. Thank you. I found what it is. It says, this is the first episode of the series which the protagonists encounter a paranormal phenomenon that is not connected to any supernatural event, but rather a scientific one. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean, I get what they're saying, but it's a little stretch that they're saying that that's science. No! Yeah. What they meant to say was that it it's the first monster of the week where the monster wasn't an actual monster. Yeah, and Giles says something along those lines of like, you know, I should have thought it's not mystical, it's paranormal or whatever. Yeah. But just because Giles says it doesn't mean it's true. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's a fucking librarian. You shut your mouth. It's <laughs> my guiding light. But yeah, this episode too is one of those things, yeah, as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, you know, pretty good. Not a bad episode. I got some things to say about this episode. But just to pull back the curtain slightly, we're doing these episodes, you know, two at a time. So we watched this and the finale and we're going to record that next. So everybody look forward to next week's episode because... Yeah, after I watched the finale, and it's so epic and towering, and so much crazy shit happens, I was like, get the fuck out of here, Invisible Girl. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. I gave half a fuck before, now I don't give a fuck at all. Just like everyone else in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, how ironic. But, uh, so yeah, maybe that takes the wind out of the sails of this episode a little. But don't worry, intrepid listener, because next week, the finale episode is fucking bananas. So, till then... Let's just talk about the Invisible Girl, shall we? Yeah, slog through this <laughs> bullshit with us. Buffy comes out of class and bumps into Cordelia and her bag falls down and like an actual like morning star falls out like a mace, you know, like the big <laughs> ball and chain with the fucking... And uh, that's pretty cool, but it is weird because it's like, does Buffy use that? It was weird. Yeah. There, there was a scimitar in there as well. Yeah, like that stuff just doesn't seem as effective as the old school... Uh, steak but it was just a cool scene or whatever that's kind of cool and then they actually address the uh because she's like oh no this is studying for history with the uh, mr giles the librarian mr. Giles. and then she's like oh the creepy librarian who hangs out with all the students or whatever yes and i was like oh <laughs> yeah i was like finally someone said something <laughs> yeah harmony mentioned that yes yeah, somebody finally noticed my note says in caps thank you <laughs> and because she said she's always hanging out with that creepy librarian in that creepy library yes <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then uh, Cordelia's boyfriend of the week, he gets beaten up in the locker room by an invisible assailant. And as they wheel him out, Principal Snyder assures everyone that there are no dead students here this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wrote a little thing in my notes. That's at the seven minute mark because I have a strong feeling that's going to be the episode quote <laughs> that I put at the start. There are some fun jokes in this, but yeah, uh, first of all, Principal Snyder He's killing it. He's killing it. He's like he's like riding the line of being awful and terrible, but also an interest, a good foil to them. I don't know. I, I, he's good, and I, I but I just know what's coming. But yeah, mm. but the special effects in that bat before we jump past it, the special effects of that bat attacking the boy was 
so bad. <laughs> like they were stunning. The edge of the bat was always off the frame of the camera, so it was like it's an invisible person, but like it's probably just a person holding it on the other end. <laughs> so they did a they did a smash cut to the opening credits uh, with the bat swinging, and the last shot of the bat swing is CG. Like you can tell that they just CG'd a bat for that for some reason, I guess, to get the shot of the bat swinging at the camera. Yeah. CG or like some kind of green screen thing. Because I don't know, 97 might have been a little early for CG on TV, on a TV show like that. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, the one of those that really cracked me up is at the very end when it's supposed to be a whole classroom full of invisible kids and they're like, students, open your books. <laughs> and they obviously just had a bunch of fishing line attached to a bunch of books. And it's like, three, two, yeah. one, yank the books open. <laughs> like yeah. everyone opened their books at the same time in the same turkey jerky manner. <laughs> like, all right, you did your best. <laughs> So Harmony gets pushed down some stairs and we hear uh, a girl's laughter. So, uh-oh, Invisible Girl, which I guess they gave away by calling her Invisible Girl, but it's a girl, so we're starting to, we're getting some clues. Oh, and as the girl runs away, she bumps into Buffy. And what's nice is uh, Buffy's like, oh, I, was, I heard laughter and someone bumped into me. It's an Invisible Girl. And everyone's like, all right. Yeah. Like, they don't fight her this time. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I did appreciate that. That was the first time we didn't have, like, it just was getting really repetitive, that, like, middle section of the episode where we know what it is, but no one's willing to accept it. I do still find it frustrating. It wasn't quite as much as it usually is where Mr. Giles will be like, yes, it's this exact thing that I was reading about and just knows. But it was very close. He was like, it's either A or she's invisible. Which I'm like, come on. How do you know this so fast? So Cordelia's prepping to be the prom queen and Buffy misses her old prom queen life. It's not a hugely important thing, but I guess just to get that in there a little bit that Buffy, you know, didn't used to be a weird outcast, always fighting monsters. She used to be cool and popular and stuff. Angel wants to help Buffy fight the master next week in the season finale, but he obviously can't, he can't be around Buffy. He can't, uh, he can't even talk to her because it makes him too sex crazed and weird. (laughs) 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 So so he goes straight to Giles and, uh, yeah, he tells Giles he's going to help him find what you're saying, Julian, is a codex. What is the the difference between it? Um, I don't know. They're both large books. Uh, probably leather bands. Yeah, because I only know that term from like Warhammer 40,000. They're always called like, here's the codex about this particular army. But I mean, it just means a book, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like a big book about lots of stuff, let's say. But yeah, Giles is like, oh, there's this one book. It's great. It's got all kinds of prophecies and information and shit about the slayers and stuff. And Angel's like, oh, I know where that book is. And he's like, oh, really? Where? D- don't even worry about it. I'll just go get it for you. <laughs> okay. So at least it gets Angel back in the show. Because that's definitely a thing I've noticed is like it is like a checkerboard pattern of like uh, Miss Calendar's just disappeared for a while. Don't worry about it. Oh, Angel's just not around. Whatever. And they don't even have that many characters yet, but they just disappear for mm-hmm. long stretches and just show back up. So so Angel's back in. So that's nice. Uh, oh, I noticed this is uh, I don't think this will be a recurring segment or anything, but I think this episode has... Buffy's coolest look so far, like her coolest outfit, where she had like her hair kind of in like a a loose bun on the top with these long bangs, round sunglasses, and like a blue little like choker thing, and wearing this like Humphrey Bogart coat. And she just looked fucking cool. 
Yeah, I really do like the fashion, especially Buffy's, because that is very, very trendy with Gen Z right now. Like the way that Buffy dresses, they keep calling it just like 90s and 2000s fashion, which when I look at myself, that is not how I dressed, but it is exactly like Buffy and Clueless and like this very cool girl of the era. So everything like she looks fucking cool all the time. So uh, Willow compiles a list of dead or missing students, which is like 18 volumes long because like what the fuck and they noticed that six months ago there's a girl named marcy who disappeared and uh again yeah just the really lame research montage where buffy just determines with absolute certainty that just with these smattering of vague clues of like i think i heard maybe heard a flute or something and this marcy girl was in band it's definitely marcy marcy's the invisible girl and it's like all right sure yeah, and so many times it was not a flute, by the way. The sound that was being played wasn't a flute. And a flute is a difficult sound to come across. It's pretty quiet and subtle, so I get it. But they're lying to you. It's like an oboe or a clarinet most of the time. And Alison Hannigan has some experience with a flute, if you recall. Yeah, but she can't. She can only play it with her pussy, so... Hmm. Do you remember there was one line in this episode where... Yeah, when they were talking about and there was they said... Uh, she plays a flute. And then Willow was like, so? So what? What, what about the flute? What'd you hear? What do you know? <laughs> was this, bef- was American Pie before this? No, it was after. Oh, okay, that's funny. It was like 99, I think, or, or 2000. I think 99. So with this uh, flute information, <laughs> Buffy goes to the band room, and I guess she sees like a footprint, and she's like, oh, someone's been climbing around in here. So she climbs up above into the ceiling, and finds a cool little hidey hole where Invisible Marcy has just been living for six months, which is kind of a cool little thing of just like that creepy idea that you're just, she's just in the school walking around invisible, fucking with people all the time. So yeah, that's when we learned too that, yeah, Marcy became invisible because she was ignored, got amplified, and the problem became real due to the power of the Hellmouth. So this girl who plays Marcy, I never knew her name, but I just looked it up. Her name, Clea, Duvall. Clea Duvall. I knew yeah. that too. Yeah. I was gonna say I know, I know of her. Like she never became super famous, but she just showed up a lot. And she's one of those people that I always thought like, oh, it's Invisible Girl. How you doing, Invisible Girl? Oh, so you knew her from this first? Yeah. And then the other big thing was the faculty. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like I loved that movie. I said to Julian, I was like, because she, as she got older, her like chin got even more pronounced. She has quite a like sharp chin and sharp facial features. So I was like, I think that's, and Julian just usually knows stuff about movies and actors. So I was like, do you know her? And he like, he didn't know. And I was like, oh, she was in, and I, I was like, it's not um, Hackers, but it's like Hackers. And then I looked it up and yeah, like, cause she's, I loved the faculty in high school and I loved, but I'm a cheerleader. And she was like, the main in both of those movies. So she, like, is someone I always have remembered. She's cool. I remember her. I think of her. Isn't she in Veep? Oh, yes, I think so. That's what I think of when I think of her. Yeah. But I could be wrong about her being in Veep. No, I think you're right. Cut that out if I am to make me look smarter. (laughs) Well, I did do, yes, some quick research, and she's been in all kinds of shit. She was in, uh, I don't know, a bunch of HBO shows, and, like, she's just been working the whole time, so probably she was. Yeah. But, yeah, for me, it was absolutely the faculty. And that's where... Man, it's better not to look up internet stuff if you can help it. Because, like, just by accident, because I Googled the faculty, Google has to just fling all the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb information straight into my face that I didn't ask for. And it's like 6 out of 10, 50% fresh. And I was like, fuck you guys. That movie ruled. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking internet, you know? Like, I'd rather just not know. (laughs) 
So the uh, common thread here is that Marcy keeps attacking people close to Cordelia. It was random boyfriend guy, uh, Harmony. She attacks this teacher who Cordelia got along with. And I was kind of glad that, so it's like suddenly invisible person is, uh, puts a bag over the teacher's head and is suffocating her. But I was glad that this teacher didn't die for once. Yeah. They finally didn't just do a worthless, meaningless death. They let somebody survive. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah, I kind of get ahead of my notes sometimes just to try to like, I want to keep track of the plot somewhat. And two times in this episode, I was like, uh, beaten to death with a bat. And then I had to go back and change it. <laughs> was it a vampire bat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember how good of a joke that was? <laughs> he was just so devastated that that joke didn't land as if it wasn't the worst joke. <laughs> yeah, sweet boy. He also called himself research boy in this episode. So Cordelia realizes that all the people around her are being targeted and hence she is being targeted because, you know, it's all about her, but she's right in this case. So she goes to Buffy for help because between seeing all the weird weapons Buffy had and all the violence that's always happening around Buffy, she was hoping that Buffy was in a gang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's logical. I I mean, as far as I was thinking when she walked in there, I was like, how are they going to possibly explain like why she would come to them for help. And I was like, there's no way they can write themselves out of this. Like, and then they found a way. It was kind of silly and it made no sense. But I guess she had those weapons. So. But then they were a little lazy about it. They're like, oh no, actually it's an invisible girl. And man, Cordelia swallowed that pill easily. Just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't say. All right, what are we going to do? <laughs> so this is probably the only entry that will ever be added to this list. But I got the worst thing Marcy has said, which is she's muttering to herself in her hidey hole up in the ceiling. And she's just like, yeah, Cordelia, I know didn't pay attention to me. But I remember you and all your slut friends. Yeah. Slut shaming. Marcy, <laughs> please. She also was making fun of that teacher's toupee, which, you know. Toupee shaming. It's not Marcy. cool. Marcy. <laughs> not cool. Yeah, Marcy. Marcy's an asshole. Marcy's a piece of shit. Like, yeah. Marcy's the villain. Marcy's the big bad in this season, if you ask me. <laughs> she really wanted to get in there and make fun of that teacher's toupee. Like, she was just chomping at the bit to be like, yeah, let me in there. It's my turn to shine. And then they, like, they attacked her so violently. I'm just like, we're talking. <laughs> she just said something. Why did you have to? I don't know. Anyway, yes, they were mean girls. I get it. <laughs> That was one thing I didn't really bring up, just to kind of uh, streamline my notes a little. I kind of left this out, but fuck it, I'll bring it up, I guess, is there there are pretty frequent flashbacks where it suddenly becomes like a black and white student indie yeah. film about like Marcy being very vaguely ignored and like, oh, the teacher asks someone else except her and it's so brutal that her hand literally starts turning invisible. (laughs) It's absolutely insane because the whole class has their hand up. Yeah. So it's like for her to make that leap that she's being ignored in that like, and they really could have filmed that differently. They could have had it so there was two hands up. But no, let's have it be everyone's. Oh, so here we go. Yeah, speaking of Xander and his fabulous vampire bat jokes, but uh, here Cordelia says that despite the fact that a psychotic invisible girl who, uh, I guess we didn't mention that, Marcy's basically crazy. She's been so excluded and then has been for the last six months just living in the ceiling that she's, she's nuts. But despite the fact that this crazy invisible girl is targeting Cordelia, Cordelia's like, well, I can't miss my prom queen crowning. And Xander says... Can we just revel in your fabulous lack of priorities? 
And Buffy actually gives them a little laugh. And I'm like, that's the only time anyone ever has or ever will laugh at one of Xander's jokes. And it kind of made <laughs> me feel good because he's always so funny. Every 10 minutes, Xander says something funny and everyone stonewalls him. Yeah. It's also the only time that Buffy, that there would be any sort of, wow, this girl is paying attention to me yeah. because this is way more in the next episode. But how the fuck can he possibly think this girl is into him? She's giving you absolutely no sign of that. And this maybe, maybe is the one thing where it's like, she thinks I'm funny. And even here, I think it's more just the combined distaste for Cordelia more yeah. so than her. she really thinks that what Xander said is funny. <laughs> but, yeah, totally. But yeah, it is, it is like, I just loved that someone laughed at a joke because not just in this show, but in every show, like that's always the way. Like, can you imagine if you were friends with Chandler Bing, you would laugh and laugh and laugh till your stomach hurt. Yeah. No one ever laughs at him. In 10 fucking years of friends, no one ever laughed at one of Chandler's jokes. And could he be any more funny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's what he does. And the other joke that Xander did that, I liked when he was like, asked Willow, oh, do you want to come over for dinner? My mom's making her famous call to the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That's fun. That was that was my favorite line. That's a yeah. good joke. Yeah, Xander is a hilarious man. Even Vampire Bat. I mean, hey, it's not great, but it's not terrible. <laughs> is it not great? Or did I write Vampire Bat A++++? Uh, we can confirm that <laughs> Mike did indeed write A++++. I also want to bring up in this scene... There was a nice little non sequitur from uh, Giles where he suddenly just goes, you know, Cordelia, I don't think I've ever really seen you in the library before. And she, with a perfect line read, just goes, oh, no, I have a life. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Cordelia is brutal in these scenes. Like, she will not stop insulting everyone. Her character in this episode is perfect. Like, I, I want so much more of her after this episode. They go out of their way to make her a real piece of shit in this episode, <laughs> and it's great. Well, another thing I kind of skirted over in my notes is uh, I just kind of skipped past her little bonding moments with Buffy because I wasn't really feeling them. But how did you how did you like it where, you know, Cordelia talks about the loneliness of being popular? Did you, yes, you buy into that? That was what I was going to say. I was like, I want to post this on Facebook as a status update, but nobody will get it except like Romilly, my friend who listens uh, when she's trying to be like, oh, no, I have a hard time, too. You think I'm never lonely because I'm so cute and popular? <laughs> it's so good. I love her. And her line about like, you know, it's better to at least be lonely with people rather than be lonely by yourself. It's not a bad line. It's not not the greatest, but it's all right. It's not bad. But you have to remember, this is a woman who uttered the phrase, Shylock should get over himself <laughs> earlier in the episode. And yeah. like, maybe not. Yeah, at the beginning I said about her that Cordelia explains the pain of the Jews. <laughs> I couldn't remember what that was in reference to, but there we go. You know what was kind of nice, though? The uh, Sorry, this is totally changing the subject, but what was kind of nice that they made that connection between the invisible girl and then Angel kind of relating to her because he can't see his reflection. Yeah, yeah that was cool. It had that little scene with him and Giles, and I was like, oh, that was a nice that they drew that kind of parallel and they kind of, you got a little bit more about how Angel feels about being all vamped up. Yeah, this show so far has not shown that it is intelligent in that way. Clever in a lot of ways, but not like making connections like that. And that was like the first time where I thought that was very cool. So this Marcy chick, she's kind of fucking awesome because she's not super powered or anything. She's just invisible, but she traps the whole research half of the gang in some fucking... 
I don't know what that was, like boiler room, and just like gassing them to death. With, a dungeon. Yeah, with no big problems. She drugs Buffy and ties her up and almost manages to mutilate Cordelia's face with like a scalpel and stuff because she's just like, you're going to have people... It's like, I guess, some kind of reverse invisibility. You're going to be super visible to people now because I'm going to make you look like a crazy cut-up freak. Yeah. And if it weren't for the fact that Buffy had super slayer powers to break out of her, you know, being tied up and stuff, Marcy would have won easily. (laughs) So it's just lucky we had a slayer around. She fucking murked everybody. It's crazy. Even though, I mean, as a slayer, I feel like she should have been able, even though Marcy's invisible, like she was like holding a knife to her neck and like, a couple times she was like sneaking up from behind her and like gonna get her with a needle or whatever. And it's like Buffy's usually has like she can sense those things. I felt like she should have been able to sense her with her Buffy powers. Oh well, she did, but she had to literally stand still for like ten fucking minutes and meditate. Like, <laughs> like they made a huge deal of like. Yeah, what was uh, that? <laughs> yeah. You know what that felt like to me was like there was a scene early in the episode that like a Karate Kid scene where they teach her how to ignore the world and focus and meditate. But then they had to cut that for time because it was like, what was that about? There was no build up to that. It was just her like becoming one with nature or something. Yeah, I don't know. it was stupid. There was one throwaway line from Giles where he was like, your opponent's invisible. Uh, for once, you'll actually have to stop talking and listen or something oh, like that. Right. And that's the only through line I can think of for um, all that. Like maybe there was a part of the episode that was cut and they're like, well, that makes sense. Let's just keep this one line in. So it still makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been funny if she did this super deep, like, let's just really focus karate kid stuff. And then she just hears the raspy nose breathing of a band nerd. Mostly in this case. Yeah, it's just I think they they overpowered Marcy for no particular reason, but it's kind of cool because it ties into what happens at the end. But uh, Angel comes over to so like, I got that cool book that I said I'd get. Oh, you guys are almost all dead. Whoa. <laughs> so he luckily saves uh, you know, everyone who's getting gassed to death because they, they get into, they're very weird and inconsistent about vampire lore, but it's like, oh yeah, I guess Angel doesn't breathe, so gas doesn't affect him. But uh, whatever, okay, sure. <laughs> like, well, that makes sense. It's weird with vampires in general, I guess. But yeah, just the or like just to jump ahead a little, they do this next episode too, where Angel doesn't have breath, so he can't do CPR. But it's like, so so how does this work? I mean, it's not this show's fault; it's all vampires. But like, if you don't breathe, how do you fucking talk? If your blood doesn't flow, is it just coagulated grossness in your veins? Do you shit still? What's going on with vampires? Like, you just can't overthink it, I guess, because none of it makes sense. Oh, yeah, so speaking of being invisible, so since you can see, you know, when when Marcy picks up a baseball bat or a scalpel or whatever, you can see that stuff floating in the air, but you can't see Marcy. So what do you think? Let's do votes. Is Marcy nude or <laughs> when the Hellmouth made her invisible, was it nice enough to make her clothes invisible too? Oh. Yeah. And if that's the case, shouldn't Buffy be able to smell this gross, rank banner who's been in the ceiling for six months? Damn. <laughs> yeah, those are great questions. Yeah, it's a little weird. <laughs> I want to believe she's nude. Yeah, like this episode takes place in like May in Southern California. The weather's nice and this person is invisible. So she probably could just go nude. Yeah, imagine if that was it. If just like she's invisible skulking around, but people keep going like, it's weird. I feel like I can smell a vagina. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as there's a naked lady. 
That's what you can smell. David Greenwald, that one's for you. You can use that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call writing. Buffy just hears Marcy's bobos just slapping her. Oh, yeah. You guys really understand female anatomy so good. Thank you. I've been waiting for someone to say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so Buffy does her super focus just so she can toss a you know, a curtain or whatever on top of Marcy. So now she can see her punches are out. And then, yeah, I guess I didn't mention there's these FBI guys they noticed halfway through the episode skulking around on campus. So those FBI guys, they burst in and they're just like, okay, we'll take it from here. Don't worry. We got the invisible girl. Like just whatever, just pretend this didn't happen and we'll just take her and whatever. And Buffy's like, are you going to rehabilitate her? And they're just like, uh, Sure. <laughs> Something like that, wink. Yeah. yeah. This was really a case of like someone else writing the episode that doesn't really have a vision of where Buffy is going. Because like this idea of like men in black and this organization or whatever, I guess they're FBI. I don't know if they said that. They did, but yeah. Like, they did, yeah. Yeah. But they're just like them. That's not anything that really ever is comes up again. But they made it seem like there's these this organization that's like out there and looking after these paranormal events and taking care of it and stuff like that. It seemed bigger than it should be. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so goddamn much. I like the idea of it. I think that's like a movie I would watch, but that it never comes up again is maddening. And that they were just lazy fucks, to be honest, because they just skulked around looking creepy and then were like, okay, we got it from here. Yeah. Do something. And then they they just gave it the Raiders of the Lost Ark ending. Stupid. Like, I do like the idea of, yeah, basically they take her to a CIA training thing for invisible people because they just, you know, uh, train invisible people to be assassins. And I'm like, well, that's kind of neat. But yeah, like it couldn't have been clunkier to get there. It's like the X-Files burst into this show. Yeah, (laughs) that's a perfect way to put it. it Totally. It was like a failed crossover ep. It made the ending so unsatisfying too because it's like Buffy defeated this villain and... And normally there's some sort of way that the, the group has to dispel the villain somehow, just get them out of society or whatever. And here it's just, no, okay, here we are. We're the FBI. We're just going to take this person away. And then everyone's just kind of like left. Huh. Okay. What do we do now? <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so unsatisfying as a viewer. Yeah, like I liked, uh, especially I liked like when they got to that it's a CIA training thing. I'm like, well, that's cool because Marcy really is crazy. Marcy's a fucking asshole. Marcy's a piece of shit. So I like that they didn't redeem her in any way. And they also didn't kill her. They're like, she is just awful. So she can go off and be awful in her spinoff show, Invisible CIA Murder Girl. (laughs) But yeah, like getting there was zero out of 10. Yeah, it was just so lame. It's just like. Yeah. But if you'd like this type of uh, story, then uh, you should watch the Invisible Man movie that came out, like, I think earlier this year. Oh, yeah, that got, like, good ratings and shit, right? Was it good? Yeah, it, like, kind of had similar, I'd say similar themes. There's definitely things in this episode that reminded me of it, except that that movie's really good, (laughs) and this show kind of sucked. Who's in it? It's uh, Elizabeth Moss was in it and other people, but she's the star. How many Hollow Mans out of 10 was it? Uh, 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> nice. Uh, can can I choose to watch the shitty like late 90s, early 2000s syndicated 
Invisible Man TV show instead of uh, the movie. Yeah, I don't see why not. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yeah, permission granted. Fantastic. Going to go do that now. I'll start a podcast. So there we go. One more episode down. Oh, I guess I want to say this before. I, I always forget. Of like, I've got little things I want to mention at the end of the podcast, and then I'm always so excited to hear Julian recap our experience. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention real quick that... Uh, we got a new little addition to our little podcasty family. So there's obviously us, the Does Buffy Suck podcast, and we have our nice little sibling podcast where our friends uh, Craig and Jason review Blossom called Blossom Buddies. But I got this podcast that I used to do with my mom where it's just when I was traveling, I would never call home. So I'm like, I'll just make it a podcast. And it was an extremely niche podcast where I would just call my mom. But now I am home because of COVID. I'm just stuck in this damn town. So now I've repurposed it. Now is my excuse to walk across town and go hang out with my mom every week. We just started reviewing old TV shows because she just loves old TV. So I figure if you're into Buffy or into TV stuff, it's a TV podcast. Like we watched Ed Sullivan and we just watched, what was it? Ben, Benny, Jack Benny, the Jack Benny program. It's fucking hilarious for like a show from the 50s. I'm like, what a good show. But anyway, if you're curious to hear me and my mom talk about old TV shows, uh, it's called Calling Home. Just go to KeithCourage.com and there's a link right there. It's just two stubborn-headed, strong-willed East Coast people <laughs> being mad. <laughs> That's my review. <laughs> oh, you mean? Oh, I, I guess it kind of is. But to be fair, we were watching bad shows, you know, like I did think that was pretty funny. Like our first one was the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. And the first thing my mom said was, pretty friggin' brutal. <laughs> but in her defense, it was pretty friggin' brutal. It sucked. But yeah, like Jack Benny was really good. So like, who knows? Maybe we're getting into... We started in the 40s and the 40s just sucks for TV. But the 50s is the golden age. So Is Jack Benny the show where the music no, is like... it's Benny Hill. <laughs> Mike knew right away. Yeah, I knew before you asked the question. I was like, the answer is Benny Hill. <laughs> We'll get there, though, because that's the plan is to go through the entire history of television or until COVID ends, which at this point, it does not seem like it's ever going to happen. So, (laughs) you know, look, I wrote out FBI in letters when I wanted to do something with my hands. Wow. Full-blooded Italians. Yep. Federal body inspector. (laughs) Hey, oh, Bobo City. (laughs) All right, Julie, you want to take us home? Okay. well, you know what? Sometimes Buffy takes us to Bobo City. <laughs> That's <laughs> enough. I need to start again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, we've already all been to Bobo City, and we didn't we didn't see an invisible girl on account of she was invisible, and now the FBI's got her for some plot thread that's never going to be resolved. But hey, you know what? We're just left with one big question here: um, Vampires? Do they still shit? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you know what real quick too just like uh where that's from bobo's is uh she's all that you remember when they take rachel lee cook to the beach yeah and she takes down her little overalls and they're like whoa check out the bobo's on super freak <laughs> oh my <laughs> god that is such a horrible line <laughs> yeah. so I, that wasn't my invention but i never forgot it it's the greatest <laughs> nice all right see y'all next week bye <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of caffeine in me today. I can already feel the cuts. You know what I'm saying? I can feel (laughs) the things I'm going to cut that are coming out of my mouth.
<laughs> Which, speaking of, you want to go back to the creep zone for a sec? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love to. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut all I of this. I didn't know we left the creep zone. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really. But because we just finished season one, I was like, all right, got to get on my little piracy machine, go to the Pirate Bay and download uh, Buffy season two. And on the listing was like the Buffy triple X parody. So I'm like, well, I'm already clicking on things, whatever. And definitely <laughs> ran never watch that because it spoils so much shit in the first like three minutes really? they just spoil so much stuff and then it's just a bunch of fucking but that first three minutes is a nightmare of spoilers so definitely don't watch the buffy porn parody i bet that the rayanne scale of vampireness is pretty good though <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait i have a question in that is there a vampire wearing prosthetics but also fucking? Oh, yeah, and it's not very pleasant because they're very bad. You know, the vampire makeup in the triple X porn parody is not high level quality or whatever. And it's just like, ugh. like, it's a big, like, vampire lesbo scene, which is like, hey, that's great. But look at their weird, gross old man monster faces. This is really fucking weird. I didn't love it. Do you think they ever had to cut because everything just kind of fell off suddenly? <laughs> no, yeah, probably. Because, yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. You know which one is, is good of those is the Clerks one. Like, somebody gave a fuck with the Clerks one. They just gender swapped everybody. So, like, Jane Silent Bob are chicks and Dante and Randall are chicks and they work at a convenience store and it's black and white. And it's, like, it's fucking pretty good <laughs> if you're in the market for a triple x porn parody note to listeners because <laughs> yeah. it's so idiosyncratic like clerks what the fuck why would you do that but it's just because they ran out they did everything else so they, once you do the smurfs you know did they do a snowball uh i'm sure they did <laughs> i sure hope they did it would be very disappointing if they didn't like it's right there <laughs> yeah. you have to the girl too that played willow i don't know who she is i didn't recognize her but wow what a bad actress holy shit <laughs> like was it riff regan uh <laughs> Oh, falling on hard times. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, surely they're going to cast me in this. Surely it must be.